We began a new series last Sunday, and we, we kicked it off with this thought. There's a man in John chapter 1 that we're introduced to named John the Baptist. John the Baptist said something about Jesus that's amazing. He, uh, his attitude towards Jesus was this. He said, I am not worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He is far greater than I am. Well, Jesus had said that John the Baptist was the greatest man that ever lived, holier than me and you. And for him to say this about Jesus is amazing. So we're in a series called Far Greater because Jesus is far greater than us and than anything we experience in this world. We want that faith-filled understanding. A.W. Tozer said it this way. He said, your view of God will determine everything about your life. If you have a small view of God, it's gonna determine the way you live your life. If you have a big view of God, it's gonna determine every action and decision you make. We have a great big view of God and we want that faith-filled understanding that Jesus is far greater than anything we face. Kids, help me out. Is there anybody that has already learned how to tie your shoes? Already learned, I see those hands, very, very good, very good. Is there anybody that's gonna learn how to tie their shoes in 2024? This next year, you're gonna learn how to tie your shoes. I see those hands, amen, amen. Move beyond the Velcro, that's awesome. What, uh, what Jesus is saying, what we're learning from, from this passage, is that sometimes we think that the things in our life are too big and messy and complicated and difficult for Jesus to handle. And Jesus is saying, listen, these things can't even handle untying my shoes. Everything that I come up against is an easy win for me. And we want that understanding and attitude towards Jesus today. He is far greater. So last week we talked about uh, how Jesus is far greater than our past. And we looked at the genealogy of Christ. We know that there is room for our past in God's story. We know that when who I was meets the great I am, our present tense God, something happens. Our lives change and we get defined by who God is. Today we're gonna see that Jesus is far greater than our questions. From detective stories to true crime podcasts to mystery movies, we all like to figure out the big riddles of life. And each and every one of us have questions about our own lives. The, the capital Q questions, the big questions of life are questions of significance, meaning, and purpose. Significance, meaning, and purpose. We're playing a game of connect the dots. I'm here, God is this big dot here, and then here's all the circumstances and situations of life. God, how does it all connect? Let me zoom out and see what you want it to all look like. We're trying to figure out the puzzle. And the biggest questions are, why am I here? What is my purpose and who am I? Kids, you may already be being asked this question if somebody asks you, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Can somebody shout that out for me? What do you wanna be when you grow up? An NBA player, mechanical engineer? These are great answers. <laughs> You're gonna ask more questions in life too though. You're gonna ask things like what? college should I attend? Should I go to college? What should I study? You're going to ask questions like, should I date this person? Should I marry this person? You're going to ask big questions. I think a question we continually ask is, what should I do? 
and then what now, and then what now, and what now, God, what now? As you face hurts, pains, difficulties, and struggles in life, sometimes our questions grow and grow and grow till they feel like an obstacle between us and God, that our questions are getting in the way of our relationship with God. Kids, help me out this morning. I'm gonna show you something, and, uh, and big kids too. Yell out whatever this is if you know what it is. Okay, I'm gonna show it to you right now. Anybody know what this is? A Mario box, a question box, that's right. You may have seen this before. This is a mystery cube or a question box from the Super Mario Brothers franchise. They appear in all their different games and what happens is Mario will punch this mystery cube when he comes near it. He'll punch it and a coin will appear or a power-up. And power-ups empower Mario to do something he can't normally do so that he can beat his opponent. It gives him an advantage. Power-ups are great. So whenever you see a mystery cube in Mario, oh, it's a great thing. You want to punch it. And, and something happens when Mario punches the mystery cube. I'm going to power it down real quick. Something cool happens when Mario punches that mystery cube. Either, depending on the game, either it turns into just a blank empty box or it explodes into a thousand little star bits. It's really cool. Some of us live our lives, though, like we're playing Super Mario Brothers. I love playing it. Weird transition in our house right now. My son can now beat me at Super Smash Brothers. It's made it more fun. It's more competitive now. It's not just an easy win. Uh, but it's kind of the scales tipping where it's becoming an easy win for him. And so it's a, it's a weird transition. Some of us live our lives like we're playing a game of Super Mario, though. And we have Mario faith. We feel that we cannot... Uh, get that advantage and overcome the burdens and enemies of our soul to live a victorious life unless God punches every question that we have and explodes them into little sarbits. That unless every doubt we have, any uh, desire we have is satisfied, then we have an uncomfortable question between us and God. And what happens is when Jesus shows up, and calls us to follow him in faith and obedience, those mystery cubes that we're carrying, those questions turn into excuses. Excuses between us and God to following him faithfully. The Bible is amazing, and it shows us that at the first Christmas, people were carrying the same big questions that we're carrying today. And the Bible shows us how to answer those questions or walk with them as we follow Jesus. I want to look at three of them real quickly. And the questions are this, how, why, and where? How, is God unbelievable? How can this be? Can I really believe this? Secondly, why? And that question is, is God unfair? Why does God do what God does? And the third question is, where? Where are you, God? Is God uninvolved? And we're going to answer those quickly this morning. In Luke chapter 1, an angel appears to Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Amen. That's the most important thing that the angel says to Mary is the Lord is with you. And then Mary is greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It's okay to be greatly troubled and, and ponder things to yourself. 
In fact, that word wonder right there is dialogizomai, and it's where we get the word dialogue from. Basically, it's saying that Mary is having a debate in her heart and in her mind. God speaks to her through an angel, and she's carrying questions with her. In fact, many times throughout the life of Jesus, we see Mary pondering things to herself, wondering as she walks with the Lord. And, and it's the same for us today. Now the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. How can this be? Or how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? I think we all ask this question. How can this be? This is a scientific, logistical question. It's a biological question Mary's asking. God, uh, as an unmarried virgin, how can this be? How could I be pregnant with the Lord? Um, I think we read scripture sometimes and we see the mountains shaking and the prison doors flying open and the sea parting and the lame walking and the blind seeing. And we read it and we say, can I really believe this? This supernatural, miraculous, metaphysical, transcendent, ways higher than my ways, thoughts higher than my thoughts, God, omniscient, omnipotent. Can I believe and trust that scripture is true and that God is real? I think we can ask that same question that Mary asked, how can this be? Well, let me encourage you today. I'm so thankful that there's more verified witness proof to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus than there's been to any other person, Abraham Lincoln to William Shakespeare to you or to me. There's more proof and verified witness of Jesus's life. Not only that, I wanna encourage you today to tell you that everyone believes in a virgin birth. Everyone believes in some kind of non-natural beginning. Stephen Hawking called it the Big Bang. He said that creation or, or the beginning of the cosmos happened by nothing, from nothing, and for nothing. He believed that there was a beginning that was powered by nothing. Creation's kind of similar. The miracle of creation is really similar to the miracle of the incarnation. You either believe that there was some kind of non-natural beginning that came from nothing, or you believe that it was powered by the love of God. We all believe in a virgin birth, some sort of non-natural creation. It's funny that the smartest scientists we have talk about creation, talk about the beginning of the universe as, I love this, quantum uncertainty. The very best they could offer up is that there was energy emerging from question mark, from nothing. Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. God, how? Is God unbelievable? My answer to you today is that God is supernatural and he rewards those who believe. Second way we read Mary's question, God, how can this be, is more of a question, why? How can this be? This wasn't my plan. This pregnancy is going to scandalize my reputation. It's gonna limit my future and my dreams for myself, the life I had planned for myself. God, couldn't you just wait a few years? God, can't you choose somebody else? This isn't the, the food that I put on my plate. God, this is the cards that I was dealt. Are you unfair? 
Why, God? How can this be? I think some of us ask that question to God often. Is God unfair? Rather than selfishly worshiping her comfort, Mary brings the right answer to God. In Luke 1, 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And, and Mary had a bigger view of God. Her God was a greater than God. Her God was, God was a far greater God. And she knew that he had good plans for her and a good purpose for her. So if this was the card she was dealt, if this was what God was doing, then it was gonna bring about glory, that he was the way maker, opening a way that she couldn't make for herself in God's story. Mary had a big view of God. Then this teenage girl writes a worship song. We call it the Magnificat. And I'm telling you, this is a worship song from a teenager that is unmatched and unrivaled to this day. And it's all about how our great God is bringing help and bringing salvation to his people. And she is rejoicing in his name. Let me tell you something. Not many of us might pass the Mary test today. When God's will happens in our life and it inconveniences us, would we say what Mary said? God's will is costly. Obedience to Jesus will cost you something. It's difficult, it is not easy, but it's the path to his glory. We have to lay down our desires and lift up God's desires in our life. We call it the cruciform life. If following Jesus never costs you anything, you're not truly following Jesus. It's empty religion, it is not the cruciform life. Following Jesus always involves a cross. It always involves a cross. You may be here today and you may have a view of God that's a little bit distorted. Maybe it's been Americanized or maybe it's just been divorced from God's word and the gospel of who Jesus actually is. Let me tell you today that Jesus is not a cosmic vending machine that's here to baptize our plans and bless our ideologies and our worldview and fit nicely and neatly into our pursuit of happiness. The American dream is the last thing on Jesus's mind. He has kingdom dreams for us. He has something bigger than a life of pleasure and comfort. Jesus came to bring kingdom joy to the world, not to bring earthly happiness and circumstantial happiness to the world that fleets and that fades. He came to bring kingdom joy. All right, I'm really preaching now. I need to come back here before our kids start to lose it. The question was why? Is God unfair? And my answer to you today is what I believe Mary would say. Mary would say God's blessings are unfair. When we surrender our lives to him and we allow him to rule and reign in our hearts, the blessings of God are unfair. And lastly is this question we see at the first Christmas, where? The wise men show up in Jerusalem and they say, where is he who is born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose in the east and we've come to worship him. And you may be asking the same question that the wise men were asking. Where are you, God? Where are you? The universe was literally pointing. The star rose. The universe is pointing to a savior. Let me tell you, the universe is still pointing to that savior today. When you look around yourself and you see the brokenness of sin in our sin-cursed fallen universe and you see war 
and you see a refugee crisis and you see fights happening at school and you see broken relationships at home and depression and addiction in our city and you see violence and hatred and jealousy and racism and violence. When you see these things and you're asking, where are you, God? I wanna tell you that God is trying to reveal himself and show himself to you in these ways. Number one, he is in his word. His word is a love letter to you. His word will guide your soul into wholeness and into peace. The Bible is not birthday cake for special occasions. The Bible is bread for daily consumption. And the second place Jesus is... The second place Jesus is, is in community. He's in his church. Let me tell you that the church is not a banquet hall for holidays. The church is a kitchen counter for daily connection, for support, for relationship and growth. And you may be saying, okay, Anthony, I get, I get the commercial. I get your pitch for Trinity. But can I tell you, this is God's word. This is the truth. And if you say, but where is God in my life? How has he allowed evil? Why has he allowed evil? to affect me, the enemy, to steal and kill and destroy from my family. You may have unmeetable needs and unspeakable pain, things that I could never answer, things that I could never totally heal and fix in your life, things that this church can't fix in your soul, but God can, but God can. I'm here to point you to Jesus. I'm not Jesus, this church isn't Jesus. We're here to point you to the baby who grew in perfection, who lived out righteousness, the only one to ever do it, who then willingly laid down his life and went to that cross for you because he loves you. He loves you so much. If you're asking where is he today? Where is he? I can only tell you theology. I can only tell you the basic doctrine that we experience personal consequences from personal and collective sin. Abuse has been on the loose since Adam and Eve ate from the apple. We're living in this fallen, sin-cursed and broken world. And, and you know, when you think about it, it makes sense. We reap what we sow. Evil has been done, rebellion's been done to God. There are consequences for sin. It's called justice. It's called justice. And, and I think the biggest question of redemption, the biggest question of the Christmas story isn't, God, why have you allowed evil to happen to me? It's God, why have you allowed Jesus to happen to me? God, why, when I deserved this, did I get given the greatest Christmas gift of all time? Did I get given a perfect savior with unconditional love who has made room for me? Why have you allowed Jesus to happen to me? And this is the answer. Why did Jesus come? because that Christmas baby was on an Easter mission. He came to defeat hell, Satan, the grave, and to bring you victory because he loves you and he wants you to know his love. Is God uninvolved? No. God is at the door of your heart. He's in his word and he's in community. God's in the room today and let me tell you, that's why you're in the room today. You might say, oh, I'm here because my cousin invited me. My neighbor gave me 15 of these little handout green things. You're here because the Holy Spirit has drawn your heart to this place today. And he's ready to meet with you. And he's ready to redeem you. How you answer God's questions determine how you carry your questions. Jesus asked this. He said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? 
Then he says to Martha, after his friend Lazarus passed away, he said, I am the resurrection and the life, Martha. Whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? How you answer Jesus's questions determines everything else about your life. It determines how you carry those difficult unanswered questions in your soul. And, and just like the angel said to Mary, when you realize that God is with you, he is for you, he has good plans for you, and you are walking on holy ground whenever you acknowledge and honor him. You are walking on holy ground, his presence is there, and his presence is far greater than our questions. And you can rest in him, and you can walk step by step. He'll wipe every tear from your eye, and we see it in John eleven thirty five. He'll weep with you. He'll cry with you along the journey. That's our God. I just want to take a moment this morning. Just take a moment and invite Jesus to speak to each and every one of our hearts. The Holy Spirit does that, you know. It's personal. He brings conviction to lead us towards what we need, to convince us of the truth, and to lead us towards wholeness. If you're in the room today and there's massive questions between you and God, they've become your excuses, they've become a wall, it's why you're not in church, it's why you're not living out faithfulness, it's why you're not surrendered to him, you need to know that God doesn't want your acknowledgement today. He doesn't want you to nod your head and say, okay, God wants your surrendered life. He wants your soul to be whole. Stop committing treason against your soul. You only get one soul. Give it to Jesus. He's the only one that can restore it and resurrect it. Would you stand with me this morning? I just sense that there's somebody watching online, somebody in the room today, that you're ready to take a step with Jesus. You've, you've taken steps before, you, you've sensed the Holy Spirit before, but you get it and you're ready to go all in and surrender your life to Jesus. And if that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you today, I'm gonna celebrate you today and I'm gonna encourage you to pray a prayer with me and go all in and take a big first step and then there's gonna be next steps and a whole new life ahead for you. Would you pray with me today? And with every head bowed, nobody looking around, I just want to ask if that's you, if you're ready to go all in with Jesus, he's talking to your heart right now, would you raise your hand? If you're ready to surrender, thank you, thank you. Thank you in the middle, thank you on the left, thank you on the floor. If you're ready to go, thank you in the balcony. You're ready to say, I just want to remember you as I pray. I want to know who I'm praying for today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for each person in this place. Lord, we recognize our need for you, that we can't fix our soul's problem on our own. God, that we have wounds that nothing can cure but the blood of your son. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, for giving yourself, for redeeming us and forgiving us today. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit's miracle life, just like it came into Mary and came into this world, would come into our souls today as well. And God, we would be resurrected as new creations that will live forever with you. Help us choose you every day and follow you as disciples. Help us take steps of obedience and faithfulness rooted into your family, walking with you every day. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. Today is the day of salvation for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.